Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The voice of a changing world, Chris Smith. On today's News Talk Radio, TNT. G'day, g'day, and welcome to the program. And it is very, very appropriate that I start the show exactly like that with g'day, g'day, because it is January the 26th already in Australia, where I am broadcasting from in Sydney. And it is our national day. It is Australia Day. And for those who don't know, for my listeners outside of the country, although there are some inside the country that might need a reminder as well, um, it is one of those days when we commemorate and celebrate the arrival of the British fleet, the first fleet, who arrived in Farm Cove, which was, well, still is a bay within the central part of Sydney Harbour on January the 6th, 1788, and thereby establishing a white colony. Now, many people will tell you, oh, well, this was the time when white people invaded the land and stole it from the Aborigines. That was not the intention. That was certainly not the orders from London. And Captain Arthur Phillip came to the country with the first fleet and engaged with Indigenous Australians, despite what you may hear from others, that it was an invasion that they were massacred. Yes, there were some very, very violent clashes between white and black as the settlement moved from various parts of the eastern seaboard down south and also to the north. But all in all, it took Australia to become a first world country in record time. And when you live in a country that is all of a sudden first world, even Indigenous people live longer. They have access to the greatest first grade health in all of the world. They have a legal framework. They have job opportunities they wouldn't have ever thought possible. And yes, there was some friction when the English arrived in Australia. But as we discussed throughout the week with others on the topic, it is so thankful, so lucky that we have had the English arrive and colonise Australia, as opposed to other nations that didn't have a very good record at all when it comes to assimilating with Indigenous communities. So now, usually on Australia Day, I can tell you that it's all about barbecues. You try and swim in any waterhole you can find because it's usually very hot. And where I am today in Sydney, it is up into the 40 degrees Celsius range. It is a scorcher as we say, and uh, we have barbecues with lamb on them, preferably, uh, lots of cold ones, whatever that may be, and uh, a day when people dress up in the colours of our flag and commemorate this country. But of course, there's been a lead up in 2024 that hasn't been so savoury. There's been controversy about the date and about the fact that we celebrate this country at all. And I find that incredibly ungrateful and dismissive of the facts. It is out of context with the truth about how this young country established. I'll have something to say about that a little later in the program. We also want to talk today about diversity, equity, and inclusivity, and especially in the context of the United States of America. Because as many would know, those who are listening from the US right now, it has become a scourge. It has basically created a woke ideology in just about every workplace in the country. Um, and it's drowning 
the workplace that is, it's drowning in this woke ideology which gives reward and chooses uh, employment for those that have unfortunate backgrounds, those that uh, may be a particular colour, um, those that may be from a different part of the world. And all of a sudden, we've got a situation where wherever you are working, the best person doesn't get the job. And how can that be? You create a scenario of mediocrity if you don't ask for the best. And uh, we'll talk about that in the program because there are some that are pushing back and there are others that are engulfing the whole DEI ideology. My special guest today is Ed Martin, the very outspoken president of the Eagle Forum Education and Legal Defence Fund. We'll get to him very shortly. We want to talk about the uh, latest twist in the border crisis in the south of the country, the role played by Joe Biden in the Middle East conflict, Nikki Haley's donors that seem to have been looking the other way, Donald Trump's momentum and, other, and another major gas project being stymied, yes, by green evangelism. Ed Martin will explain all of that and have his strong opinion on it all coming up in the program. I do want to dedicate some time today to motor neurone disease. This is the incurable condition which affects the nervous system, as many of you would know. Internationally, the incidence of MND is two in every 100,000 people. So four to five million people who are now alive today and think they're healthy will eventually die of MND. We'll meet someone today who's dedicated her entire life to helping those with this disease and their carers. From Down Under, we'll talk about the National Day with psychiatrist, journalist and social commentator Tanvir Ahmed. I want to talk about why people hate their country so much. And you know the ones that do. They've got many agendas on their plate and they can't help but hate. And what about those who love their country immensely? What? Why is there such a gulf between the two? Plus a magnificent piece of Australian poetry about what it's like to love your country. We'll get to that later in the program. My talkback numbers, you should know them by now. If you don't, write them down, put them on a post-it note, shove it on the refrigerator or put it in your smart or cell phone. From the US or Canada, one 201 6425 We'd love to hear from you. Uh, from the UK, 033-0024-1026. And from Australia or New Zealand, one 800 670-310. It is your Australia Day if you're in Australia. So come and tell us what it's like to commemorate such a day and what it means to you. Is it as special as it should be or has it been besmirched by those who don't appreciate what they have? You're with Chris Smith. We're broadcasting live on the Global News Talk Network, and that is TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, diversity, equity and inclusion. How many times have you heard that phrase? These are the new rules of life in a new progressive era, especially in the United States of America. But the truth is the concept is also creeping rapidly into workplaces, sporting codes, political parties, and organisations right across the globe. Now, personally, I think that rigging, falsely inflating diversity, equity, and inclusion for employment purposes and selection and promotion is just counterproductive. I've always maintained that it has to be the best person for the job. 
And the more we employ or reward those because of their skin color, their background, or their disability, the more we enshrine mediocrity and, in many instances, class division. But I do sense there's a widespread pushback against this contaminated ideology and this need to be somewhat woke. And that's what it is. It's being woke for the sake of virtue signaling. According to Fox Digital, officials in an Oregon county are now dismantling their nearly $1 million a year diversity, equity and inclusion office. You see, the pushback has begun. Now, back in 2020, as we know, as racial justice protests swept the United States and raged for more than 100 consecutive nights, the county created a three-person equity and inclusion office. They're in nearby Portland. The DEI approach took flight during the political unrest after George Floyd's killing, and in some states have been fortified by DEI rules and regulations right across the board. But as the exercise starts to unravel, and it is because the public is personally witnessing more and more inequity in this equity ideology due to DEI rules, well, numerous universities, companies and government offices have begun to roll back their diversity initiatives because it could should be you know, incumbent on us all as human beings to understand we help where we can. But what we do have is a commitment to our workplace and getting the job done. And if you can lift people out of their poverty, well, that's all well and good. But you don't need to disadvantage those who've done the hard work and can qualify for positions that are open to them. Um, last week, the county's administrator sent a memo to employees announcing the office would dissolve as of February 5. Clackamas County Commissioner Ben West explained it perfectly on Fox News. We want people um, to all feel like that Clackamas County is a great place to live. But here in Clackamas County, we really value the merit, the talents of every individual that every person has and brings to the county, every resident, every staffer. Um, we value... Um, the individual, we value uh, you regardless of your immutable traits. Um, those are not the things that make you unique and special to Clackamas County. It's that individual spark inside you that does, that makes you a person. Um, a diversity of ideas is important to us. And it has just become at times a distraction. Um, and we didn't want that in our county any longer. So we started to make a cultural shift about a year ago. It took about a year, but we've dismantled that. And um, it was costing the county nearly a million dollars a year, and uh, we no longer are investing in that ideology any longer. They've kicked the ideology to the curb, and rightly so, because it creates friction. The county commissioner in Oregon has noted that this is an unnecessary expense because it foments friction. And of course it does. All of a sudden, you are being inequitable, trying to be equitable. How does that work? It's woke ideology that is best left out, out of the workplace in particular. Now, while some are pushing back, like that example in Oregon, there's one government agency that has got into full stride when it comes to DEI, and it won't surprise you. The latest example of this twisted liberalism, this insane false world built on woke principles, comes from the mighty Federal Bureau of Investigation. It makes sense, doesn't it? The FBI has become the plaything of Democrats, and the FBI has been doing the party's dirty work for a decade now. 
Well, according to the wonderful New York Post journalist Miranda Devine, an alarming deterioration in recruitment standards for the FBI has been exposed. It's come in the form of a report delivered to the House Judiciary Committee by an alliance of retired and active duty agents and analysts. So current and past members of the FBI have stood up and taken a stand. The Post reports this week that DEI requirements pushed by FBI Director Chris Wray have degraded recruitment standards in all areas, including, quote, physical fitness, illicit drug use, financial irregularities, mental health, full-time work experience, and integrity, unquote. The report's conclusion, the approach poses a threat to the FBI's ability to protect America from harm, and that is surely unacceptable to Americans. The report cites cases of new agents who were so fat and unfit, they can't even pass the new relaxed standards for fitness, who are illiterate and need remedial English lessons, who don't want to work weekends or after hours, have serious disabilities or mental health issues and create drama, they are being given a rails run into the FBI. It's just extraordinary, isn't it? The sources say if the current trajectory of FBI secret agent recruitment and selection continues, using DEI as the primary and sole measure, our homeland security efforts will be significantly hampered. Recruiters are even required to host diversity applicant recruitment events based on race, gender, and sexual orientation. Like, have they forgotten what their job is, what their role and mission is? The report urges the House Judiciary Committee to order a 90-day audit of the FBI's recruitment practices to introduce legislation to strengthen the oath of office for FBI special agents. It needs more than an audit. It needs a massive clean-out. I sense that the FBI director, Mr Ray, might be back to testify before Congress before too much longer, and this time he won't get such a warm reception. This is TNT. TNT. Sonia Poulton. You feel the need to describe yourself, along with being a useless eater, free speech isn't a phobia, as a male with a penis. Why would you feel the need to describe yourself as such? Well, you never know these days, do you? Anyone can have a penis, apparently, so just thought you better make sure everybody knows. And that, and that is the reality, isn't it? Words have lost all meaning. And one of the things that I wanted you to come on and come and join me about and comment about is the whole issue of gender and transgenderism. Are you cis, Jack? No, there's no such thing. There was, there was literally no such thing until a couple of years ago. And it's, it's their religion, it's not mine. And I refuse to get involved with this sort of terminology. It's ridiculous. Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me, and I was trying to figure it out, and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? 
When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, do not take your eyes off the southern border of the United States because the mayhem has taken a major twist. On Wednesday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott issued a statement on the border control crisis. He said the federal government has broken the compact between the United States and the states. The executive branch of the U.S. has a constitutional duty to enforce federal laws protecting states, including immigration laws on the books right now. President Biden has refused to enforce those laws and has even violated them. The result is that he has smashed records for illegal immigration. Despite having been put on notice in a series of letters, one of which I delivered to him by hand, President Biden has ignored Texas's demand that he perform his constitutional duties. Let's bring in Ed Martin, president of the Eagle Forum Education and Legal Defense Fund to discuss this and a whole heap more. Ed is a lawyer who holds advanced degrees in medical ethics and philosophy. He has served as chairman of the Missouri Republican Party and as a member of the Republican National Committee. In 2016, Ed co-authored the New York Times bestseller, The Conservative Case for Trump. He, Ed is a board member of the Patriot Freedom Project, which provides support for the January 6 political prisoners. Ed Martin, welcome back to TNT. Great to be back with you. Thanks for the chance to talk. It's an important issue, and I'm I'm really grateful to have a chance to talk about it. Yeah, I tell you what, um, the Texas Governor Greg Abbott is not only challenging the Biden administration over border control, which I outlined there, he's also at odds with the Supreme Court. Um, could it be any more chaotic? Yeah, you know, that's right. Except let me clarify a little bit. The way that was reported is that the Supreme Court ruled, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled and said to the federal government, you can cut down the razor wire that the Texans put up. It actually didn't say the Texans had to stop of any other measures. Now, the Texans are actually putting up razor wire again, and I, I suppose in that sense, they're going against it. But really what the, what the, the U.S. Supreme Court was saying was, you know, you, the feds, if you think you need to, you can go through that. You can't be stopped. But what's happening at the border is it couldn't be more uh, uh, real, the crisis. And, and here's what's gone on, Chris. For about three years, really since Biden got in, we've seen the border opened wide uh, open. And, and we've seen the Biden administration decide that not only would they not enforce the laws, they would coach the people coming on how to use the language so that they could take advantage of the system, the refugee system. And that's what they've been doing. And we're talking about not... 10,000. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people a month. We're talking about millions total. And what has happened, especially in the last 
six months is the realization that these are not families coming from Latin America, mom and dad and three kids and an Our Lady of Guadalupe icon. These are actually military age men coming from all over the world, a lot of them from nations that have, have real antagonism towards America. And we don't know who they are. We don't know what's going on here. And so it's an emergency. And, and our American system is such you know, we're different than we're different than the UK. The, the, we don't get God to give our sovereignty to the king who spreads it to us. We, the people, we, the people, you know it from the beginning, we, the people give our sovereignty to the government, but it's the state government and the state government he mentions form a compact. And, 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 and that's the federal American federal Republic. So this is a big crisis, but more than anything, Chris, we got to stop the number of people coming. I mean, it's yeah. completely out of control. Very much so. Now, how much support would uh, Abbott be getting from other states? Surely a lot of support, especially from um, his own colour. Yeah, two, two, two answers to that. As you say, uh, red states, we call it, Republican states, are lining up saying, we support you. And some of them are saying, we'll send our guys down there. So I think it was up to 15 or 16 as we're talking right now. Right. But the other thing is you're seeing lots more people and, and by that, I mean in polling data and others that are saying, we're fed up with this. You're seeing inner city uh, uh, city dwellers who are saying, we don't want this anymore. Actually, you're seeing African-Americans who are looking at this and saying, what the heck's going on? So you, in America, we have seen a sea change. Joe Biden has actually helped those of us that have been saying this is a problem by making it so bad that everyone is like, wait, we got to fix this. But uh, but many states are running to uh, uh, to aid Texas and to be on that side. Uh, uh, some of the big ones that are more liberal, California, New York, are sitting back, but their people are watching. At the same time, you're talking about the type of people crossing the border, and I would have thought, given what happened at 9-11, yeah. you do not need an untethered border where military-aged men, as you rightly point out, are crossing that border uh, we don't know their antecedents. Um, they they could, in this particular world environment, be there for a very bad reason. Yeah, well, and, and exactly right. Now, look, there was a book about two and a half years ago called America's Covert Border War, and it was a, a researcher, an investigative journalist, who wrote just three years ago about the number of terrorists and terrorist watch list people coming across the border because all you have to do is pay the cartels and you can get into America. That book was you know, a big enough deal to me. I've been talking about it since. Now, it's not just pay a, f a few terror watch list people paying. It's anybody that wants to strolling in. And here's the thing. When it comes to self-defense, if you try to invade my home, I don't have to morally justify defending myself. If we, right now, we're at a point where our nation is being invaded and we don't have to justify, you know, that person is going to do something. We just have to say our assessment is this is not worth the risk. And, and no one should be morally embarrassed, legally embarrassed, anything. If you want to have a nation, you can look to the rest of the world, go to Paris. You can't go in certain neighborhoods, go to London. You can't go in certain neighborhoods. If that's what you want, unfettered uh, transformation of your country, then you can do it, I guess. We don't want it in America. That's what we're saying. And that's what this fight is about. And on a political basis, on a a leadership basis. Where is Joe Biden on this issue? And his silence is absolutely deafening. Well, and a clip came out from him when he ran for president in 2007, a clip from 15, 16 years ago, where they ask him about sanctuary cities. And he says, nobody wants sanctuary cities because they become hell holes. And nobody wants that. I mean, look, this guy, it's not just... 
you know, we, I love my elders and I love my parents. My grandparents are deceased now. We should all be respectful. I'm not just saying because he's old, this is a disadvantage. At this point, it's because he's not in charge. And yeah. the people that are in charge appear, I can't read their minds, but they, their policies appear to show pure hatred, not disdain for America, hatred for America. And so we have to say, hey, um, President Biden, you've got to get the hell out of the way. And I, I've been doing, Chris, I've been doing interviews across the country today. I've said there's three ways to stop this. One, the states, as they're doing, should stand up and stop it. Two, the Congress, our U.S. Congress, senators and representatives should stop messing around. There's only one answer. Nothing happens until you stop this madness, not negotiating Ukraine money, not negotiating Israel money, nothing. The third thing is replace the president and the president that's going to take till next year, you know, till 10 months from now. But uh, those are the three things you can do. We've got to do them all. Very, very true. Um, on a political basis, as we approach November, could this be for the Republicans, the icing on the cake yeah. to bring down the president? Certainly is. I mean, look, I, I think, and the reason why is because what you feel, I'm not saying this is completely accurate, but what you feel in America is the dis-ease, the, the discomfort with the economy and the fact that you're doing this at the same time is, yeah. is really one of these things where you just say, that guy, that President Biden is just not on my side. And once that starts to happen, it's like a kaleidoscope. And he may run around, and right now he's running around and yelling at people about abortion rights. And that might help solidify young women voters. But I, I can tell you, African-American male voters, Hispanic-American, both parties, I mean, both, both sexes are saying, we're sick of this because they don't see somebody on his side. And once an election starts in America, once our elections, it's head to head, start to head away from uh, an incumbent president. It's very difficult to see it shifting. It's a real, I, he's done. The question is whether he actually stays on the top of the ticket, I would say. And those outside of the United States need to understand the impact this is having on states. It's not just the Southern states, is it? Ed? Correct. No, not at all. Look, I'm, I'm from Missouri, which is right in the center. We have an influx of people that are coming into this, into the state. And, and look, when the numbers got so big, Chris, it started to really become unmanageable to describe, you know, the, the impact on our schools. You go to a city school in St. Louis and you're seeing 20, 30 new students get introduced. And our laws say that wherever you are from, where however you got there, kids shouldn't be penalized. You can fight about whether you like that or not. That's the law. And so they're going to be admitted. We have another problem in America. We have a million, a million, they say, say men, mostly men, dying of fentanyl. And the fentanyl is coming right in across the border. Now, mm. I, hate to, I hate to tell you, Chris, not to start a controversy, but I can do it and, and you can chuckle. It, you know who's getting killed? You know who's getting the, the million men, the million men, it's men, it's almost 99% men, and it's 99% white men. So if you hate white men, come to America. We're killing them and nobody gives a damn. Nobody will secure the border. Nobody will say it out loud. And meanwhile, we're going to have debates about diversity, inclusion, and, and all these kinds of things when a whole segment of the population knows, they know they're being targeted because they know no one's stopping this madness. Yeah, yeah. it's madness. You're right. You, you've mentioned the word that describes <laughs> it better than most, which is madness. I need to take a quick break for news. I'll come back very quickly. Lots to talk about in terms of the presidential race as well. Ed Martin is my guest right here on TNT. What the hell is this? TNT Radio News. Breaking news. Breaking news. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. 
US Vice President Kamala Harris has been called out for her hypocrisy after sensationally warning Americans not to vote for Donald Trump because he'd go after his political enemies. In a stunning show of solidarity, 25 US states have vowed to stand with Texas in its fight to defend the southern border. And a new survey has found 28% of Generation Z adults in America are now either gay, lesbian, bisexual or something else entirely. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. I'm speaking with Ed Martin now. You issued a statement, Ed, on Tuesday, and it said, J6 committee smeared conservatives destroyed evidence. Update us on the latest here. Boy, Chris, you know, I mean, it's it's like the whole world has watched what happened in America since January 6, 2021. They saw the image of a gallows with a noose. That was a total fraud. We now know that was put up by, it looks like some political operatives. That, but the image was, you know, broadcast around the world. And then there was, for about 18 months, a million dollars a month that the Congress, Liz Cheney and Nancy Pelosi, spent to do a report. And a million dollars a month, almost $19 million over 18 months. And when they issued the report... They then deleted and destroyed all of the supporting evidence for the report. And, and, and in America right now, we have courts, Colorado Supreme Court, which tried to take Donald Trump off the ballot. They cite to the congressional report that was created and all of the data, all the backup was destroyed. So we obviously are being played by the political powers that be to try to push a narrative, and it's starting to unravel. But meanwhile, for, for two and a half, three years, we've had most of the country here. Oh, boy, that was an insurrection. These were armed insurrectionists when it just wasn't true. There were a couple bad, there were, there were a few, more than a few bad actors, and it was a riot, but there was no insurrection. And more importantly, they've gone and targeted, Chris, family after family. You mentioned the Patriot Freedom Project. I'm on the board of this organization. We raise money to help pay for lawyers and help the families. We get calls every day from new people that got a call from the FBI. They're still rounding up people. They announced wow. we're gonna get people, we're gonna round up people that didn't go into the Capitol, but were on the Capitol grounds. And, and you know, again, remember in America, you could be Antifa, you could burn, uh, throw uh, uh, firebombs at a federal courthouse and get nothing charged against you. But if you stood on the grounds of the Capitol, you're targeted, and this is Joe Biden's intentional uh, idea for uh, law enforcement. It's haunting. I mean, it's not America as I recognize it. Yeah, very true. And this is where they always come undone, the Democrats. They try and weaponize yeah. everything they can yep. to, to make political mileage. They did it with the judiciary. They're in the middle of all of these indictments right now, which are falling to bits. And now they're still weaponizing January 6 yeah. after all this time. Yeah, and one quick thing, and I'll be short on it, that you may remember there was a pipe bomb placed at the yeah. Democrat headquarters and the Republican headquarters, and now it's been showed conclusively that those pipe bombs, if they were bombs, we were told they were, if they were, we now wonder if they even were at all. They couldn't have gone off. They were inoperable based on how they were set up, and nobody told us that. They haven't found anyone. So someone placed either a gag or or an inoperable bomb in the major headquarters of both parties in America, and our law enforcement can't find find them can't can doesn't even have leads on the subject i mean it, again it, at this point in america i've told you before chris we have this famous ronald reagan moment where he looked at the soviet union and he said trust and verify that was the phrase trust and verify in america right now when it comes to our government our motto is distrust 
then verify. The starting point is they are lying and they are deceiving us. And then let's go back and verify. Maybe they weren't, but you have to start that way. And that's how it's happened with January 6th, the pipe bomber and uh, nearly everything else that they've said they're doing. And the unfortunate thing is it's the FBI. It's the Secret Service. They're all being corrupted by this vision of the people in power uh, uh, hammering home a lie. It's just outrageous, really is. And, you know, the more that the agencies get involved, the harder it is to determine what the truth is. I want to move on to the presidential campaign. Let's talk about Nikki Haley, um, (laughs) who refuses to put up the white flag. According to the latest reports, billionaire Reid Hoffman is pausing funding for Nikki Haley's presidential campaign. Um, It has to do with her loss in New Hampshire. Even he would have thought she had to win that. Yeah. Look, and, and, and Chris, you know, for the for people that are looking at America and you're saying, how does this uh, primary system work? You know, we start out in a small state in the center of the country, Iowa. We go to a small state in the northeast, New Hampshire. We go down south to South Carolina and out west to Nevada. These four in a row. In order to compete in these places, you have to raise somewhere between 100 and $150 million just to be able to run the ads and do all the things. It's not a great system, by the way. I've been critical of it when I was on the RNC. Trump yeah. navigates it because he's got 100% name ID and he's really good at this and all that. Nikki Haley has a problem. She has no money left already. She's losing in South Carolina. She's not even on the ballot in Nevada. She didn't have an organized team. She didn't get her paperwork filed. So she's not a real candidate. The problem is, Chris, there are forces in New Hampshire. She got about 40% of the vote. Three out of four of her votes were Democrats or independents because they're allowed to go over and cross over. They admit that. And so you say to yourself, why would you know the Australian people let um, you know the 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 Chinese uh, communist people vote for their elected officials? You wouldn't, and 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 that's what you're seeing happening. So uh, her her she's being propped up, and you mentioned Reed Hoffman pulled back, but the other left wing funders haven't pulled back the big money, and so she's there as a sort of a, a an opportunity for for hitting Trump. It's not look, I ran, I was in the parties. She has no chance to be the nominee unless, and you hear this from the left. Unless Donald Trump is removed, then you say, do they mean constitutionally? Because that's not working. Or do they mean worse? And there have been left-wing organizations, left-wing entities with images of bullets and talking about the die, ha- the die has been cast. And this language that, you know, is, is at this point, distrust and then verify makes you crazy to say, what are they talking about? But we're in a time where it feels like they're so desperate to stop this guy that they will do anything. And uh, and that's something we I, I talk about it more because I want people to hear so that they're recognizing how severe things are. But uh, but Mickey Haley has no chance. Her, her race is over. She's going to go to her home state in South Carolina and lose by 25 points. And uh, and 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 she'll if she wants to stay in the race, she has no chance. And then you say to yourself, why is she bothering? Yeah, why is she bothering? There's got to be another reason. Uh, okay, let me um, let me go back to what happened in New Hampshire. I heard a lot of post commentary that I thought was fascinating. A lot of people saying, "Who are, who's voting for Trump? Who are these people?" Etc. And I, I couldn't I couldn't go by a statement and a very very um, brilliant summary by Charles Payne, one of the hosts and panellists on Fox News. I played it yesterday. I wanted to play it again to you and for our audience today. Here he is talking about why people are voting for Trump and turning on the Biden administration. I had a segment coming up, so I I Googled Biden hates MAGA. 
nothing but articles after articles after articles. He has expressed hatred for who's writing those articles. It doesn't matter. Look at him. Because because the bottom line is he says it. He has vitriol for them. And so does MSNBC and so does CNN and so does the New York Times. They have vitriol for half of the nation. They don't look at them like fellow Americans. And it's unfortunate. They try to paint them as racist. All the things that they do to their fellow Americans who simply want a safe home, a safe community for the children to have prosperity. They want the same thing. He said it with such passion, but his, but his analysis is so accurate, isn't it, Ed? It is. Look, it, it, it's so funny to watch the world commentators out in Davos. They had a breathless piece. They said the people of Davos, the leaders, don't know what to make of all these populists. What what we're what we're what's happening in America and all over the world is people are sick of the of the people in charge taking control of their lives and dominating and, and this 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 arrogance of power. And in America, the blocks that are voting and you heard Charles Payne, he's very good. You know, he comes out of the business side. And but the blocks of voters are the groups that are coming together are just saying nobody's been on our side for 25 years wall street's been making money hand over fist nobody's been on our side for 25 years the elite universities have been churning out all their crap nobody's on our side i mean one after another institutions the people the, the you know americans didn't we don't ask that we all get to be you know the, the the richest of the rich but we do ask that we get a fair shake and more and more people say the game is rigged and it's rigged against we the people and we don't have to take it because here's trump who says we don't have to take it yeah and, and there are similarities between 2016 and oh. 2024 because all of a sudden you know we've got a a theme going on here where MAGA people are somehow deplorable. It's the yeah. same thing that happened in 2016 and yeah. they will vote, they will vote accordingly, Ed. Yeah. Well, and, and I thought you were going to say something else too. In 2016, there was a woman named Kate Steinle who was murdered in San Francisco by an illegal immigrant, a Mexican who had come and been deported three times and came back and killed her. And that issue just exploded. And people said down the stretch, they said, why is nobody taking care of us? And right now, the way the border thing is playing out, pe yeah. more people are looking up and they're saying, you're just not on our side. You know, you we don't need you to be everything. We don't need you to be perfect. You're not on our side. And and I, I really do think that that's sort of how the election is feeling. There's a moment in an election, I, you know, I've run for office a couple of times and you start to learn where you can see the trend line. And, you know, you sometimes you're crashing the plane and you're wishing, you know, that the ground would come sooner so it would be over. And other times you're soaring. Right now, Biden's going down and Trump is soaring. And it's a long way off. Don't get me wrong. But uh, but that's really how it feels right now. And that there issue of immigrant, that issue issue of immigration and, and, and who's on our side, who's protecting us is a, is a big one. All right. I want to talk about LNG. The Biden administration yeah. is delaying a decision on a Louisiana LNG project that would be the largest in the United States. Now, the White House is directing the Department of Energy to expand a review of LNG exports to include some climate change criteria, no doubt. Um, this decision may please zero net carbon evangelists, but uh, it won't delay this massive natural gas project surely yeah two two observations one whenever you hear the government do that thing like you know expand the criteria and work on something it's just code for grind that thing to the to you know to a halt i mean there have been recently a couple of different articles about the regulatory burden of of what has happened to 
all of the energy sector, whether it's uh, uh, liquid natural gas or, or other fossil fuels. Uh, but, you know, by contrast, we're being lied to in America right now about the economy. They're telling us the numbers are better. Everybody's better. Nobody feels it. Inflation still feels bad. Uh, it's way up. So you can't say if even if it's stalled that it's better. But but the thing that is a kind of contrast is you hear President Trump who says, do it all. Do it. All. He says the first day he, he jokes and they make it. It makes him crazy. He says, I'll only be a, a dictator on the first day so we can drill everywhere and, and get all and get energy independent again. When we were energy independent, we didn't have to go a hat in hand to the Saudis, to you know Qatar, no. even to Israel. We could be in the driver's seat. And by the way, we were in the driver's seat, including talking to Russia, which will happen again. And so the, the contrast is really obvious. And look, I, again, in America, the normal people have turned on all of this green stuff. We, we, more and more, we know it's a hoax. And not so much it's a hoax about the science. Who cares? It's the solutions where they're lying to us about the solutions. They're saying, yeah. you get to pay so that Central Africa can take our money. We've had enough of this in America, and people, voters are really tired of it. Yeah. And look, at the end of the day, what came out of uh, you know, this this um, COP28 was the fact that oh. so much is being done to get rid of <laughs> CO2 emissions around the world. There are some uh, incredible figures coming out of Europe now about reductions in CO2 emissions, right. but, but the emissions in total across the world haven't changed one iota. People right. are looking at this and saying, you mean we're paying trillions and trillions of dollars for no result? And that was yeah. always going to be the case, Ed. Yeah, and, and my point is Americans really know that now. We've had about five years where we've had some leaders, Michael Schellenberger is one of them, who really helped uh, puncture this. The other thing is it's helped us in America to realize that China, the communist Chinese, they cheat the whole time. And so we've had more exposure of that, that, oh, yeah, let's all fix ourselves. Let's all fix the world. America, you change your behavior. You pay for it. And China's going to keep polluting the heck out of things. They're going to call themselves a developing nation and continue to put coal power plants online. I don't blame them. I think that they... I think they're, I think it's kind of clever of them. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we want to fix it. You guys get after that. And by the way, every week or two or whatever it is, they put another coal-powered uh, plant on, and they're like, hey, we got people that need energy. So I, I think Americans also, the, the communist Chinese have been exposed in America. That's been helpful to understand that hoax was being perpetrated on us that we pay for green and the rest of the world uh, maybe benefits, as you point out. They don't really benefit. They just get our money. Yeah, people are saying enough, enough, and it's not just yeah. in the States, it's elsewhere. One last one on an international yeah. basis, the Middle East. How do you think the United States is playing that game? Well, look, and I have a sense, and I, I tell people all the time, I mentioned self-defense earlier about our border. I, I feel like October 7th was such an uh, attack on Israel. They have every right to defend themselves and their self-defense, and I, I don't uh, I don't pull back from that for a second. I do think that Israel's dealing with all the forces we, we in America have and Trump did, which is the media and all lying and distorting and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's pretty difficult. I mean, I, in America now, Joe Biden's got a problem because his base wants him to cease fire and all that. I, yeah. I look, I think Israel needs to do what they need to do. Um, but I do think this, the American people, I've heard it more from conservatives than I've ever heard it before. And I, I'm glad. They said, why are we voting to give Israel billions of dollars? They got more money than us. Like they can borrow money. We're just we're borrowing money ourselves. We're printing yeah. money before we start paying for the world. Even the guys we like, the teams we like, we got to think about our own. I think that part of America First saying, "Show me how it's in our interests 
to protect or to to do something. And I, I'm going to be willing to be generous, but don't tell me, oh, we got to send another 50 billion to Ukraine because why? I mean, and and by the way, we're gonna we're getting set up in America. They're going to rebuild Ukraine for 20 years, and they're going to always look at America and say, send us more money. And I think I think we're seeing more clarity, or, or, or I think the Republican Party is starting to articulate a vision of America first that says, even to the guys we like, the teams we like, explain to us how that's in our interests. Yeah, and that's why Trump is on the right boat heading into yep, that's right. this part of the presidential campaign. I'll let you go. Thank you so much, Ed. It's been great to have you on the program once again. Always good to be with you, Chris. Thank you. Okay. Ed Martin, president of the Eagle Forum Education and Legal Defence Fund. Always great to have him here on TNT. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March, and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through, and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador, so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my license, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. You're listening to Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It is good to have you with us. Now, if you'd like to have a say about some of what Ed Martin spoke about, and very forcefully today, he was very fired up about this conflict between Texas and the federal government, Biden versus Abbott. It's uh, an almighty battle. And I should just point out, too, that um, since those conflicts became an arguable point and front page news, there has been some developments in that regard in reference to Abbott's letter to Joe Biden. Well, the Biden administration, according to Unlimited L's, has issued a response to Texas setting a deadline of January 26, of course, that will be tomorrow, 
for Governor Greg Abbott to return control of the disputed areas at the Texas southern border back to the federal government. I won't go into any more detail on that because for those who haven't been following it, it can be a little bit complex. But suffice to say that the feds want total control of what happens at the border, despite the fact that Texas wears the damage of illegal entry. And so do the other states, which is why the states are up in arms about what Joe Biden is doing, including Democrat states. I don't know how this is going to be cleaned up, but if he thinks this is going to play into his pocket come election time, he's got another thing coming. It will play directly against him. And you can imagine what kind of politicking we will hear, campaigning we'll hear from Donald Trump on this issue. He'll be very supportive of what Texas is doing, and no doubt Texas will do all it can to support Trump's call for states to run their own borders because Biden doesn't give a damn. Uh, you can call in from the United States or Canada on one 201 from the UK, 033-0024-1026, or from Australia and New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. So I've given you that update. I wanted to make sure that uh, you had that. And I also need to tell you about a plane crash because it involves um, a major mining company that has links to Australia. Multiple people are feared dead, according to the Daily Mail, after a light plane carrying Rio Tinto workers to a remote diamond mine crashed. Now, a number of people are feared to have died, although they, there is no specification on the number when a light plane crashed on its way to a diamond mine in Canada. Mining company Rio Tinto said a number of its staff were on the plane headed to its Diavik diamond mine, which is about 180 miles northeast of Yellowknife, when the plane went down near Fort Smith, that's in the Northwest Territories, on Tuesday. There was no word on how many people were on board the plane, but the Territories Coroner Office said and confirmed there had been fatalities after rangers found the downed plane near what's called the Slave River. Now, the website of Northwestern Air Lease, who operates the British Aerospace Jetstream plane, says the planes can carry as many as 19 passengers. Rescuers parachuted into the scene at the Canadian Air Force, RCMP and Rangers were pulled into a massive rescue effort. Two huge Lockheed CC-130s followed the mission from above amid a desperate search for survivors. The military were first called in when the plane lost contact shortly after takeoff, the Joint Rescue Coordination Centre, Trenton, said. Reports say the plane crashed near the banks of the Slave River. So that is incredibly disappointing. And no doubt the links over the next few days will be made between those on the plane and various families in Australia and elsewhere in Canada. Now, I don't know whether San Francisco should get a prize for this, but if they do receive a prize for it, it's got to go in the bin of worst governance in the states of the US. Um, this is quite remarkable. A thriving commercial corridor brimming with restaurants, bookstores, coffee shops, uh, lots of young families running along. It's uh, called Stroller Valley, a town square with yoga classes and farmer's markets, but no valley, that's N-O-E, Noe Valley needed a toilet. 
15 months after city officials were ready to throw a party in the Noah Valley Town Square to celebrate funding for a tiny bathroom with a toilet and sink, nothing but mulch remains in its place. They can't build a toilet, you see. The toilet project broke down the minute taxpayers realised the city was planning an event to celebrate the fact that they had state funds to build it. Have a guess how much money, taxpayers' money, was being allocated to build what we call in Australia the loo. $1.7 million. They must be joking. No wonder they can't run the state of California. That That's extraordinary. $1.7 million for a sink and a loo. Um, that's enough to purchase a single family home in San Francisco with multiple bathrooms, multiple bathrooms. Who was in control of a project like this? They should never work for government again. And who ratified it? Was it the governor? Surely not. Was it some senior government official? Get rid of them. Even more confounding was the explanation that the tiny bathroom would take two to three years to install. You know why? Because of the incredible green and red tape that exists in California to get anything over the line. So not only are they allocating an exorbitant amount for a loo, they don't know how to get it over the line because there's too much red tape. That's what they have created in California. Um, city leaders quickly cancelled their party and Governor Gavin Newsom of California took back the funds. So there was no loo to be installed. Late night comedians have skewered the city over it. You could imagine what great material that would be. Residents dubbed the saga Toilet Gate and the $1.7 million toilet soon became the it costume at local Halloween parties as well. For many, for many residents, the episode has illustrated why San Francisco so often gets bogged down by inefficiency. If an army of more than 30,000 city employees with a $14 billion annual budget cannot build a simple bathroom in a reasonable way, what hope is there that San Francisco can solve its housing shortage and its fentanyl crisis? You're exactly right. This is a story you should have a read. It goes on and on. It's, it's a massive saga. Um, you'll find the story in the New York Times. It is worth a read. And it sums up perfectly when there's too many rules and regulations created by politicians who have nothing better to do, who want to exercise and leave their legacy. You can't build somewhere to go to the loo in a very busy area of Noah Valley. I find that completely unbelievable, but very typical of what we hear from Brian McWilliams on a Wednesday on the program when he talks about these silly, silly things that occur in the state of California. Now, I want to talk further about um, green energy too. I won't have time to do it right now because I've got to get to a, uh, I've got to get to a uh, news break. But I can tell you this: Bill O'Reilly, who I've got a lot of time for, Bill, I think he started uh, some of the great opinion programs on Fox many, many years ago, and he really broke uh, a new frontier, and I have respect for him for that. But Bill now says it's almost inconceivable that Joe Biden will run for the presidency in November. 
And he says it's time for the Democrat Party to get real and tap Michelle Obama on the shoulder. He said Biden has dementia. I mean, I knew this to be true. So that he's going to become more and more clear in the next few months. And that's very true. And I've said that many, many times. If you think that he has deteriorated since uh, 2020, and he has dramatically, wait until you see how the year plays out leading up to the campaign, uh, leading up to election day, and watch his deterioration continue if he were to win the presidency and march on into another four-year term. Can you imagine how inept, how inefficient, how impotent he will be? Come on, America, wake up to yourselves. Either push your party to put up a decent candidate for the sake of the country or vote for the other side. I've got to take a break. Uh, We'll come back after all of that with so much more coming up on the program. This is TNT.